Who is wise? The one who learns from others. Welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. This is a podcast where long-form conversation allows us to connect with those who inspire us beyond small talk and social media posts we're bombarded with on a daily basis. Join me on a journey where I speak to people from all backgrounds with different perspectives, each sharing their stories, struggles, and successes. Be a part of a community where you connect to something greater than yourself. I'm your host, Karen Corian, and welcome to Soul Sessions with KK. You're listening to episode 61 of Soul Sessions with KK. This week, I'm continuing the conversation on body image and disordered eating with Rachel Tuckman. This is the second time Rachel has appeared on the show, and this time she discusses another topic that she's very passionate about. What is that topic, you may ask? It's diet culture. Oh my gosh, you're so skinny. You look amazing. What did you do? Many of us have heard these comments or made these comments throughout our lives and it may seem pretty innocent but in this week's episode you will find out why body comments like this are actually more harmful than helpful when most people think of healthy they automatically think of the foods they're supposed to eat and the ones they're not supposed to eat or some of us think health has to do with a certain look in other words dieting usually becomes a cure to whatever issues we're going through. Rachel challenges us to rethink the way we look at health. What does it mean to be a healthy person? Is it just about the food we consume? What about dieting? Does dieting solve our innermost needs? Well, Rachel answers these questions and so much more. This episode was incredibly eye-opening and it made me realize that not only are we so obsessed with dieting and the way we look as a culture, but we are forgetting what it actually means to be a healthy person. I highly, highly encourage you to listen to this episode. Maybe you won't look at dieting the same way again. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. I'm so excited to continue the conversation on body image, eating disorders, dieting, and diet culture. Part one of the discussion was with Dr. Marcy Forta, and we spoke about eating disorders. And I'm honored to have Rachel Tuckman here today to speak about part two. How do eating disorders even begin? We're going to talk about diet culture, dieting, disordered eating, and all of that. Rachel actually was on my podcast maybe three years ago where she spoke about infertility and she also came and spoke to my community in Long Island about dieting and I'm very, very honored to have her today on the podcast to continue the conversation. Rachel, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Of course. So Rachel, let's just get right into it. I know you're a licensed therapist, but how did you specifically get into the anti-diet work? Um, Okay, so it was actually kind of by accident. Um, I am a therapist who has a presence on social media. So that means I have a professional Instagram account where I share about, you know, mental health related topics um, and just things that are on my mind in general, issues that I see 
I share some funny things that, that, you know, that I feel like are entertaining that people would appreciate, but I'm there primarily just to start discussions, bring awareness to things. And in the process of doing that, I started following a lot of other therapists. Um, and there was one in particular, Tiffany Rowe, she's a therapist in Utah, who was talking a lot about um, eating disorders and something called diet culture. And I had no idea what that was. I had never heard of such a thing. And she started challenging a lot of what I had always known about health, body size, um, weight loss, dieting. And at first it was really uncomfortable for me because I did have a lot of my own beliefs about people in bigger bodies and about my value as someone who would lose or gain weight um, and just about you know health in general. Um, but the more I learned and the more, you know, she, she had some reading suggestions and articles and the more I started learning and the more therapists I started following and dietitians and doctors even who were talking about this idea of diet culture, weight stigma, um, you know, health at every size, I started really shifting what I had always believed about health. And then the more I started learning about that, the more aware I became of how much disordered eating, poor relationships people were having with their bodies, um, eating disorders, just so much of the stigma in our community around people's worthiness based on their bodies. I started seeing that more and more in my work, finding that a lot of people's issues were trying to either be controlled by controlling their bodies or that they were taking out their sadness or anger or whatever it is on their bodies or feeling sadness and anger because of their bodies or blaming their bodies for, I'm not married. My spouse isn't attracted to me. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not this enough. So I really started seeing it more and more. And it's kind of like, once you see it, like you can't unsee it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of how I started getting into it. You know, seeing that I'm also raising three girls. Um, and I know that I struggled a lot with being unhappy in my body as a young teenager, which looking back is ridiculous because I look at pictures of myself and I'm just sad that I was forever struggling, feeling comfortable in my skin, um, where I was really in an acceptable body always my whole life. Acceptables in quotes here. Yeah. And I never want my kids to feel the same way, to feel so consumed by how they look and whether or not they're thin enough, pretty enough, look the, dress the right way, look the right way, have their hair the right way. I really just want them to, of course, take pride in their physical appearance, but understand that that is such a tiny piece of who they are and they have so much more for the world that they can offer. Um, and so that's kind of been like a mission of mine to get away from that obsession with physical appearance and, and measuring up to these ridiculous standards that are constantly changing and are totally made up and based on nothing um, and really finding our inherent inner worth and inner beauty and understanding there is so much more to us um, and so much more that we have to offer relationships to the world than our physical bodies. For sure. Beautiful. I, I noticed that within myself as being a coach and seeing various girls from age like 12 to even 40 years old, women up to 40 years old, I see that whenever there's an issue, there's a problem, they feel stuck or something's going on automatically, one of the first responses or reactions is I have to change myself. I have to change myself physically, whether it's losing weight, going on a diet, trying a new exercise program, 
getting Botox, getting plastic surgery, the go-to, the first thing I notice is that they go to what can they change physically about how they look. Yep. And I find that often when people do that, they kind of get stuck in this like negative cycle that just never, ever ends. It's never, ever good enough. Like the girl will get a nose job and then she needs a lip filler. After she gets a lip filler, oh, her butt is too small. She needs, you know, butt implants or whatever they do right now <laughs> with that. So how, what do you think is your opinion on how we can perhaps change this mindset of automatically going to changing our physical appearance when we have, let's say, low self-esteem or relationship issues or trying to navigate girl world? Yeah. I think that like an awareness of how sometimes when we feel out of control in our lives, we look to what we feel we can control the easiest. So I can control how I do my hair. I can control if I go to the doctor and get injections. I can control how much makeup I wear. I can control how much food I consume. So if we can create an awareness of sometimes when I'm feeling out of control in my life, I seek control by focusing on my body. And maybe I need to get curious with myself and say like, where am I feeling not good enough that I am turning on myself? So there's always a need underneath. There's always a wish underneath. I want to be thinner or I want, you know, my skin to look better or I want fuller lips or I want, what is that need? Is it that I want to be accepted? I want to fit in. I want to have respect. I want opportunities. There's always a deeper wish. That is such a surface wish of, I want Well, I just like being skinny. Yeah. But why, what does that give you? Right? Well, then people think that I have my life together or people think I'm beautiful. And what does that matter to you? If people think you're beautiful, what, why is that important? So there's a lot of like questions that we have to ask ourselves or that you ask with a therapist to kind of get to the root of why is that so important to you? I think also challenging the idea of what's beautiful, really being a critical thinker and saying to yourself, let me look at beauty standards like over the past even 30 years, right? Not even that much time, even the past 20 years from the 2000s, let's stay in the 2000s, how much they have changed. And by the way, even in the last year, how the dictators of what's beautiful, right? This Kardashian family, they're changing it now, right? They have such a heavy influence on what we believe is beautiful. So last year, it was a very specific look and this year it's turning. And I see a lot of people commenting on it on social media, how, oh, did she get that, that Brazilian butt lift removed? Did she, is she on some weight loss thing? Is she trying to be thinner because now she's gonna be a lawyer and she has to look a certain way, whatever it is, they're changing the beauty standards. So now those curves and the big this and the big that, now it's all about being very thin again. Mm -hmm. So again, asking ourselves like, who makes up these standards? Are they healthy, normal standards? And are they actually meaningful? And I think that's important when we realize there's a whole industry that profits off of us constantly feeling like we can't keep up. A lot of businesses would not be running if we actually felt good about ourselves. A lot of people would be out of work if we were just like, you know what, like, I'm going to let myself age. I'm going to just accept the body I'm in and take care of myself. I don't have to get that treatment or get that, you know, surgery or get that, whatever it is. I think that a lot of people would not be profitable if not for a lot of the self hate or self-consciousness that we are, that's forced on us. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say critical thinking, you know, 
even just doing some of like your own research, reading books that talk about how beauty standards have changed, talking about how it's so arbitrary and random and it comes from like nowhere. And a lot of the time, it's actually interesting. A lot of the time we, you know, we talk about how a lot of these diets um, and a lot, a lot of like the focus on weight loss and women looking a certain way, a lot of what's behind that. And again, I don't want this to turn into like men are evil because I do not believe that at all, but a lot of it stems from men men who started these industries, because if a woman is busy obsessing about how she looks, she's not going out there in the world and trying to become president, changing the world, challenging things, doing anything meaningful because she's at home staring in the mirror. And so, and again, there are women that are behind many big diets and many beauty industry things that have, you know, that are profiting as well. Um, so this is not a, like, we hate men. I am so not in that, yeah. but just looking at like, who is trying to tell me that I should be focusing on this. And is that the truth? Um, and I think that's important for us to do. And it's important for us to tell our children, hey, what do you think that ad is trying to tell you about your body or about what you need to do to be healthy or about what you need to do to be loved or in a relationship? You know, And very often you'll see advertisements where someone is sad and what do they look like? They're fat and, and they have like yucky hair and their skin is bad. And then when they're happy, they're thin and they're tanned and they're glowing and they don't have a wrinkle and they're beautiful. So that's very subliminal messaging. Fat is depressed and loser and thin is happy and fulfilled and life is incredible. And those things affect us, you know? Yeah, it's interesting you said that because nowadays, I feel like in the last couple of years, that shifted a little bit with the advertising where I see where it's also, I mean, I don't know if this is an extreme but it's either like stick, stick, skinny figures or this like Kardashian ideal that's been thrown on us in the last year. Or yeah. you see like in Target, they're promoting very, very heavy women that some people would say that's not healthy either. And these women who are being advertised are not um, sad and depressed. Like you said, they're more, you know, Oh, look at me. I'm so happy in my body, even though to many other people in the medical field or just objectively looking at them, they're like, no, that's not healthy either. So what do you have to say about that? So yes. And there's still a ton of pushback because when we see those images, and if you look on social media, whatever, you'll see the comments underneath that's not healthy. That's disgusting. Oh, now we're promoting obesity. What about their health? She's going to be dead at 20. Nobody wants to see that. But so yes, there is more awareness and yes, there is change coming, but the reality is that there is fat phobia, right? Which means there is a fear of fatness, a loathing for it, a judgment for it and weight stigma, which means there are beliefs about people in bigger bodies that they are losers. They're unhealthy. They're going to die. They're ugly. They're not role models. They're promoting a, a certain way of living or a body that is still very much rampant. And, and unfortunately it's very rampant in communities where, you know, we really hold a lot of respect for us. So the medical community, you know, and so people will say, well, yeah, but my doctor said, or this recent research study says, and it's really hard then to undo that when you have, you know, trusted people that are kind of pushing that also. And even now there's this movie that's coming out, that's getting a lot of attention called, um, the whale. No, I never heard of it. 
with Brendan Fraser. Okay. It's actually crazy. I, I haven't seen the movie, but I've read a lot about it. But the premise is that there is this 600 pound man who is trying to reconnect with his daughter um, after they grew apart. Um, and he's trying to get healthier and lose weight and like change his life so that, you know, because his family is worried about him. So this movie is painting this guy as this loser who loses everything and he's so fat and, you know, and it basically paints a picture of like someone in a larger body is like this pathetic mess of a human being. And I wonder, could they have given us the same story with someone who wasn't 600 pounds? Why does he have to be fat? for us to feel bad for him. But I think that they think it heightens the like nebuch factor, you know, mm-hmm. oh my God, the guy's huge, like what a loser. And so again, that's something to pay attention to. Like, why was that a necessary part of, of his role? And think about it in Disney movies, right? Ursula, the evil witch, she's a fat woman, you know, a fat octopus woman, like, you know, in, in romantic comedies, like, is it the fat girl that's getting the guy? No, she's always the funny friend. Or like she doesn't ever get someone to love her or like her. Like we are very fat phobic in this society and we hold beliefs about people in bigger bodies that again, it seeps into our psyche, even if it's not conscious. Daddy pig on Peppa Pig, right? Like, and I hear this all the time. People do see it. Daddy pig they are constantly making fun of him. He's this buffoon and he's so big and he can't do anything because of his tummy and it always gets in the way and he's so unhealthy. Kids are being like brainwashed even at a young age to think, you know, oh, daddy pig isn't healthy. He eats all day long and that's Mm -hmm. why he's so big. Like we really need to start looking at this and challenging it and saying, I don't want my kids to believe this that doesn't mean you can never let them watch anything or read anything it means you have to have discussions hey Mm -hmm. wants us to believe this about somebody this about this kind of body this about this beauty or this look do you think that's true Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so what I'm having a hard time with I I definitely hear what you're saying I just think that in the same way where like a severely skinny person for whatever reason is not considered healthy, then shouldn't the opposite extreme also be true? Where like, isn't there like a sort of limit? Whereas should we be accepting um, people to be eating everything that they want, not working out, sitting at home all day, not having a healthy lifestyle and then say, no, but it's okay. Like you have to accept me. Like I can just like eat Doritos all day and have like two pies of pizza, but I'm 600 pounds. Like just accept me. I'm fat. Like, you know, like sometimes that messaging could be there too. Right. So listen, any extreme weight at any extreme is obviously not healthy. So being way too thin is not healthy and being in a much bigger body is not healthy, right? Or it could be not healthy. But then my question is, what is the answer then to, let's say someone who is in a a larger body, is it to shame them and judge them and say, you really need to lose weight? Or is it to say, first of all, someone else's health is not any of our business. It's just not right? Like why, why do I need to get involved if you're eating Doritos? Like that's your life and you can make a choice. Well, what if it's a relative or if I'm worried about you, right? 
then again, doesn't it make sense? And think about this, by the way, from a parenting perspective. Let's say your child is doing something that you feel like is really risky and like not a good idea, right? Is the answer to go in and be like, taking away everything that gives them access to that problem or to that issue, or, you know, let's say they're on their phone and they're not being responsible with it is the answer. And I'm sure by the way, some people would say this is the answer, take away their phone, lock them in their room. Don't let them have any access to anything social dictate to them to how they should behave. Or is it to sit down with them and say, Hey, I'm really worried about you. I see that you're, you know, using your phone in this way, or you're hanging out with these people and I'm worried about you. What can we do to help you make better decisions? And so you could say to someone who is, let's say, in a body that makes you worried, you see they're very underweight or they're very, they're, they're in a bigger body and not just that they're in a bigger body, but their behaviors are worrying you, mm -hmm. right? And that's part of it that we'll look at someone's weight and we'll be like, you're just not healthy. And I say, you don't know that. You don't know what a person is doing. We automatically assume when someone's in a bigger body that, oh, they must be eating Doritos all day. But mm -hmm. you don't know that maybe they're just in a bigger body, you know, but again, we have to focus on the behavior that we're seeing that is worrisome. So I'm not worried that you're fat. That's not what's worrying me. I'm worried that you don't get out of the house. You're not moving very much. I feel like you're not taking care of yourself because I see, you know, you're not eating you know, you're not eating or you're, or when we're together, I feel like you're not even paying attention to it. And I'm concerned, you know, do you have someone to talk to? Do you get out much? Are you able to see sunlight? Do you connect with people? We need to focus more on behaviors. And that goes, this, that holds true, by the way, for when someone's in medical office and a doctor is concerned about weight, instead of focusing on weight, find out what are the behaviors? What is going on? How are you eating? Are you eating properly? Do you drink enough water? What's your sleep like? What are your stress levels like? And to say to someone, well, you should get to the gym. I feel like that's something people really need to check themselves for because I don't know what your schedule is like. It's very hard for people to make time for physical activity. They don't have the luxury of, you know, I can get to the gym. I, you know, I could wake up at 6 a.m. and go, or I can go when I get home from work. Or a lot of people either don't have time, access, money, energy. It's a pet. Some people are working two jobs, or they have a sick child at home, or a sick parent. It's not always easy. So I think that sometimes we get into that, like, well, just I make time for the gym, or I make time to prepare health. Yeah is, you know, and it's yeah. like, that's great, but that's not everyone's reality. And we know that health is far more impacted by not by our bodies, but by our support systems, by our financial well-being, by our spiritual well-being, by our genetics, by our safety, by our physical environment. Are you living in a home that you feel like it is not safe? You have maybe an abusive spouse. Maybe you have, you're living in a neighborhood that isn't so safe, or you're living in a home that you feel like you are busting out of. Your kids don't have room. They can't go outside. They can't, that is something that is going to impact your health. You know, what is your job? Like, are you happy there? Are you respected there? What is your financial life? Like, can you make ends meet? Are you, you know, and not that there's anything wrong with this, but this is hard for people. Do you have to take charity from your community because you can't pay your bills because you can't put food on the table? These are things that impact our health far more than your measurements on a scale or with a tape. And I think that's what we need to focus on. Instead of looking at people's bodies and saying they're not healthy, let's look at people's mental health, their souls, their well-being and say, I want to help you feel more supported. I want you to feel more connected. I want you to feel more part of something. 
and that has nothing to do with their weight. So the long answer I just gave you, but again, extremes are never great. But again, the answer isn't, well, then you need to change your body. It's what can I do to help you feel more supported? What behaviors can we implement for you to help you lead a better lifestyle, something that makes you feel better, makes you feel happier, that makes these kinds of things that do enhance your health more possible, you know? Thank you for making that distinction. You explained it very well. I, I also noticed that there are some people who have a healthy lifestyle. They'll drink their eight cups of water. They eat very well, like well in quotes. Um, they, they exercise and no matter what they do, they're just in a bigger body. You know, that's just how their bodies are built, whether it's because of their genetics or their environment or whatever it is. So that's interesting you say that. Also, I noticed that there's some people I know who have been dieting their entire lives, like almost their entire lives. And okay, they'll throughout their lives, they, they gain 10 pounds, they lose 10 pounds, gain. That, that was my cycle when yep. I was in my teens and my early 20s. I, from one week to another, I gained 10 pounds, eight to 10 pounds, and then I would lose it. And that would be a back and forth cycle. Yep. And, and that's what that was because I was immersed in this diet culture like almost everybody um so can you tell me like what are some of the harmful effects of dieting like someone listening to this right now will be like okay Rachel so but like what's the harm in like dieting and eating better in their language or eating healthier what's so bad about that Right. So I want to distinguish between eating healthier and dieting because they're not the same and taking care of your health and dieting, right? They're not the same. Dieting is purposely restricting what you eat and cutting out things from your diet, from what you eat in order to lose weight. That is one thing. Eating healthier is something or improving your health is something completely different. You can improve your health and you can increase nutrient dense foods or fruits and vegetables and be benefiting your health without trying to pursue weight loss. You can be working out because you understand that exercise has a gazillion benefits for you that have nothing to do with making your body smaller and you are improving your health. So I think that's important. It's also important to realize that when you are restricting food, you are causing harm to your relationship with food because what you're saying is, number one, I can't trust my body. So when I have my hunger cue of like, I didn't eat enough, I feel like I still want more, you tell yourself that you can't. And so then you don't trust your body. I'm not, I can't give myself this. Like, I know that I still want more, but like, I'm not allowed. And you also then vilify food. Carbs are so bad for me. Sugar, I'm cutting it out, right? And slowly but surely you start fearing food even. And think about it. If you've been on a diet, which I'm sure everybody here, I don't know anyone that's never dieted, but when you're on a diet, think about when your friends ask you to go out for lunch or you have a bar mitzvah or you have a wedding or you, how do you feel about the food that's going to be there? Usually terrified and nervous. What am I going to eat? Oh my God, there's gonna be so much food. What am I going to get? Or when you are there and you're eating, how are you feeling around the food? Anxiety, what's on the plate in front of you? Or if there's a buffet, oh my God, I just have to take from the salad bar, but that looks so good. I cannot go near the dessert table. I'm going to be out of control. It harms your relationship 
with food, with your body, and with trusting yourself. It can create anxiety, depression. And again, not just because, oh, now I'm all stressed about food, but a hungry brain can be anxious and depressed. It messes mm-hmm. with our biology. So there are so many physical issues that dieting can cause. Osteoporosis, it can ruin your menstrual cycle. It can delay your menstrual cycle. Um, growth for kids, especially, it can stunt their growth. Vitamin deficiencies, hair loss, it can destroy your teeth. There are so many issues that we can have because of malnutrition. And again, dieting, some people will be like, malnutrition, what are you talking about? Yes, if you are someone in a, if you're an adult, you know, in a regular body, whatever that is, and you're eating the calorie amount that is assigned for children four years old, you are going to be damaging your body. Your body is going to decide, okay, I'm not getting enough energy. So I'm going to have to kind of like not use it for certain things. And I'm going to have to use it so that I stay alive. And I was actually, I, I had a client who told me that she really struggles with like crying. She, she has an eating disorder and she struggles a lot with like emotion. And again, there's, it's so connected and like part of the eating disorder is so that you don't feel so that you numb, so that you suppress, but also again, from a biological perspective, your brain does not have energy to allow the emotion centers of your, of your brain to release tears, anger, sadness, because it's thinking, I just need to make sure my heart is beating, my lungs are working, my blood is flowing. So that big fight that you just had with your friend that you feel like you should have feelings about, you want to cry, you want to be stressed. We don't have energy for that. We have to conserve it. And so you can shut down parts of your brain because your your body just literally does not have the energy for it. So dieting is never a safe recommendation for anyone. It's never a safe activity for anyone. And again, I want us to differentiate between dieting and taking care of your health. You can include more fruits and vegetables and drink water and exercise and sleep well and, and do all of those things without having to focus on weight loss and you can mm-hmm. improve your health. You know, mm-hmm. I, I was thinking about, let's say someone has a medical condition such as, I don't know, diabetes, Crohn's, whatever, you name it. And because of their condition, they are literally not allowed to eat certain foods, whether it's sugar or carbohydrates, let's say they're gluten intolerant, I don't know. Um, what can they do? They, because they have to go on a diet, is that going to mess them up even though they have to worry about their health as well? So there's a difference between not eating a food because you're allergic to it and it will damage your health or because you keep kosher, right? Spiritual, religious reasons and not eating a food because you are trying to lose weight. And just like to highlight here also diabetes, like there's not really any food that you can't eat. I know it's commonly like thought like, oh, you shouldn't have sugar or carbs, but in diabetes, it's not actually cutting out, it's pairing foods that are actually more impactful for your health. So you can have carbs and you can have sugar, but you need to pair them properly to stabilize your blood sugar. So again, that's why I think education is so important. A lot of the time we think, oh, PCOS, don't have dairy, don't have sugar, don't have whatever, but that's actually not true. And that can actually cause PCOS symptoms to be worse um, by cutting out foods. So that's why it's important, I think, to work with a dietitian who understands nutrition science, if you do have one of these conditions and, and figure out how to best feed your body. Um, and again, there's a difference between an allergy and and just a diet. Like if it's not, if it's, if I'm allergic to it, if I have a, if I have celiac, 
it is not healthy for me to have gluten. It's not like I don't want to have it because I have, I just think that gluten is bad for me. It's, it will literally, it can cause harm to my health, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So I think there's a big difference between that, you know? And again, right. if you're vegan, if, if you don't, you know, eat animal proteins or whatever it is, again, there's an ethical reason that you don't want to have that, not because you think that it's bad or dangerous or unhealthy. There are mm-hmm. there's room for ethical and religious reasons not to be eating a food. It's all about intention. What is behind this? Why am I doing this? Is it because I think it's bad or is it because I have my personal religious or ethical reasons for not eating these foods or allergy reasons, you know, safety reasons? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you were saying that dieting is for the purpose of like losing weight, right? Um, Is there anything wrong with someone wanting to shed a few pounds, wanting to lose weight, wanting to, in their eyes, look and feel better because let's say a person does have better confidence, does feel more attractive when they're like five pounds lighter, a little 10 pounds lighter. Is there anything wrong with wanting to lose weight and can it be done without dieting? I don't think that there is anything wrong with wanting to lose weight it makes complete sense that we want this. We are constantly bombarded every single day with nonstop messages that that is very important, that that is beautiful, that that is healthy, that that is important, that that's why you're not married and that's why your husband doesn't like you and that's why your wife doesn't like you and that's why you're not smart and that's why you're not successful. It makes complete sense. So the answer is no, there's nothing wrong with wanting to lose weight. But then again, I say, let's push back then against that. We are made to believe And people say, yeah, but I'm more confident when I lose weight. Yeah, but why are you more confident? Because we are told that you are more valuable and more beautiful and more marketable and more whatever when you are thinner. That's why. And these things are constantly changing because back in the day, if you were heavy, you were in a bigger body, that was respectful. That was fertility. That was wealth. That was prestigiousness. That was, right, status. And now it's changed. Right now is pathetic, sad loser, right? From whale, the movie again. So it's asking what is it actually that, that your life is different or is it that you believe? Yes. When I look smaller, I am more attractive. I look better. I am more worthy. And why do you believe that? Mm -hmm. That's what we're sold. So no, there's nothing wrong with it. It makes complete sense, but I would always encourage someone to push back and say, first of all, is it something that's possible for me to do? Do I ever sustain this weight loss that I have? What do I have to do in order to do that, to get this weight loss, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Also, does it actually make me feel better about myself in the long run when I gain the weight back, when you know, I'm struggling, I'm focused on my food all the time, I'm focused on my body all the time, I'm so distracted, I can't pay attention to what's going on in my life because I'm so terrified of gaining weight back, of getting off the diet, of you know, not fitting into the dress of not fitting into the pants. Yeah. You yeah. Know? I, I also think it's so hard to go against the tide when not just media culture, our culture, our family, our friends, everybody around you is so immersed in this diet culture and focusing on appearance, obsessed with appearance. Mm-hmm. And for you, for someone to be like, quote unquote, the only one who doesn't believe in that. It's a very lonely experience and it's, it feels alienating. And 
people want to be accepted and people want to be included and people want to attract a shidduch when every matchmaker and your parents and friends tell you you need to lose weight and you need to do this and that so it's it's hard yes it's, it's very hard yeah and and i know that people think i'm crazy for what i say i know it i have friends who like will jokingly like make fun of me like i have one friend who is in a bigger body and he'll always be like he'll say something about it and if i'm there he'll be like i know love your body <laughs> rachel like he'll joke about it. and i'm like no like for real don't talk about yourself that way you know so he like pokes fun at me and he does not believe it he doesn't believe that like he could totally exist in the body he's in and exercise and do all the things that he does and like be healthy like he's still so convinced that like this bigger body is like a, a curse for him and that he's like so out of shape you know um so yeah it can be lonely and there's times by the way that i'll see articles and magazines and and in newspapers and i'll see people i respect saying things that i'm like i like i give up you know like i i, I feel like i'm fighting this battle alone but then Sometimes I'll get a message from a parent, a mother, a woman, a man, a kid, somebody who says, like, thank you so much for everything that you've taught me. It's changed my life. I'm, I'm viewing myself differently. I'm finally taking care of my health. I'm, I'm healing from my eating disorder. I'm learning to love myself. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm finally, you know what? I started going to the gym. I never went to the gym in my life because I thought I didn't belong there. I thought I'm too fat to be there. And like, now I'm actually going and I'm taking care of my health for the first time. I'm healing my relationship with exercise and movement and food. And then I say, you know what? It's worth it. It's worth it for me. Um, and so I keep going, you know? And then again, like for me, you know, I do have a reminder, like I have kids who live in this world and I don't want them to struggle. And yeah, they're in those quote, acceptable bodies. So they won't struggle in the same way as someone maybe who has kids that are in bigger bodies. But I do accept the reality that they'll still hear a lot of toxic messages about themselves. And they'll still, they'll still hear a lot of toxic messages about their worthiness. And I want them to always be kind of like on their toes about it and and just to question it you know just to be like hmm is, does that make sense like is that true like who's telling me that and does that is that really what determines my value and my worth and like i don't think so no i'm so much more than that you know so i think that um that's really important to me you know so that's why even though sometimes it feels like an uphill battle and a lonely road yeah go yeah. you know thank you thank you so much so Rachel, how can we ensure that our daughters, our sons have a healthy body image and healthy self-esteem? Okay, so the first thing I would say is for you as a parent to be working on your relationship with your body and food. And if you are someone that diets, understand that that is putting your child at risk for this struggle. Um, and and even, you know, God forbid, an eating disorder. So taking care of that, making sure that you are someone that heals your relationship with food in your body. And if you're someone that grew up in a bigger body and you were put on diets as a kid and you struggle with weight, really make the effort to heal that so that you don't project those fears onto your child. That would be the first thing. I would say also, again, challenging with your children when you're watching those shows or you're reading those books or you're seeing that ad or you pass by that magazine cover in the store or if you bring those magazines into your house, which I would really recommend not doing, um, to challenge it and be like, 
like, what do you think? What do you think about that? What did they just say? What are they trying to tell us right now about bodies and food and beauty? Like, what is that all about? I'm really teaching your kids to think about that stuff, to be, like I said, critical thinkers, um, looking at the social media that they follow, paying attention to that. And we know that social media is a huge factor in body dissatisfaction. There are filters and apps that can literally make your body look like, like not at all what it looks like, you know, yeah. um, seen that, by the way, I've seen like, there's, there's, I've seen influencers, you know, celebrities, whatever that in real life look nothing like they do on their page. And it's like, I didn't even realize that you use a filter because I've never seen you in real life. And now I do. And I'm like, you don't look anything like I saw on your yeah. page, you know, it's like alarming. Do you um, follow the account problematic frame? No. Yeah. Problematic frame. It's an account on Instagram. It literally shows you how celebrities look before their edits and filters and after and every little thing they find or oh they morph their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Check it out. Um, yeah. So, so it can really like mess with your head. And, and sometimes there's, by the way, people that you'll never meet in real life that are using these filters. So you'll never know that they don't actually look like that, you know? Um, so I think it sets us up for a lot of dissatisfaction, a lot of like, oh, everyone kind of has that same look, the thin nose and the big lips and the angled jaw and whatever it is. And so then you start feeling bad about yourself. So again, teaching your kids like that social media. And again, for yourself as well, we don't realize that even though we know it still impacts us, teaching them like about filters, about the fact that the internet is not real, Show, showing them, you know, sometimes like I'm sure my daughter will roll her eyes sometimes, maybe not, maybe she doesn't, maybe she's grateful that I do, but I'll send her those like, you know, reels that I see of some of the people that I follow showing, like, here's me using an app that's making my body look thinner. And here's what I actually look like, or here's me transforming my face with all these filters. And here's what I actually look like. Cause I want her to always be remembering what I'm seeing in front of me is curated. It's not real. And again, sometimes like that's, that's the goal, like that people should know it's not real and that it is being curated. But I think we forget sometimes that we're only getting a glimpse or we're seeing something that's very Photoshopped and very, you know, so being kind of like a, an informed consumer um, for your kids, watching that talk, you know, how you talk about your bodies, how you talk about food, um, changing your outlook on food. You know, if you see that your child is addicted, and I put that in quotes to something, getting curious about that. When we feel addicted to some kind of food, it's not possible to be addicted to food. It's like saying I'm addicted to oxygen. Like you need food to live. So if you're feeling addicted to a food, that feeling is very real. And I want to validate that. You can feel like you're addicted, but there's actually no such thing as food addiction. And I know that's controversial still in some circles, but it's not, there's no such thing. And the, the reason that people say that there is, is because when they do brain imaging, of people like eating sugar, they would see that it was like lighting up certain centers in the brain that they see in addiction. But those same centers of the brain are also lit up when you hug someone or where you see a baby or where you pet a dog. So just because those same centers are being activated, it doesn't mean that it's the same, you know, um, that the same function is, is, you know, happening. So if you feel addicted to food or you feel like your child is addicted to it, it probably means that there is a problem there of not having enough access, or there could be some emotional issue there that they're numbing themselves with it, or there's a binge behavior. But again, that needs not take the food away. It needs more access and it needs therapeutic support. Um, so paying attention to those things. But I think again, like the most important piece is really being 
very aware of how you talk about your own body, how you behave when you're looking in the mirror, how are you talking when you're with your friends? How are you talking when you're all at the Shabbos table? Are you talking about like the weight loss challenge that you guys are all doing? Like after Rosh Hashanah, you know, are you like lamenting on like how much weight you're gaining because of all the apples and honey and, you know, whatever that you're eating and challah, like pay attention to what you're, what you're talking about. And again, you cannot shield your children from other people talking about this. That's what I was going to say. I mean, I know, I know people who grew up in homes where there was, you know, very positive talking about food. They never heard their mom say, oh, I'm so fat. I need to go on a diet. There wasn't any of that. And still these girls, because of the circles they went into and the girls they interacted with, those girls influenced them to go on a diet or- right. You know, for example, a girl could be totally cool with her body, you know, not thinking about it at all, very comfortable with what she's eating, very comfortable with her body. And then all of a sudden she goes to school and someone tells her in school, you're so fat, you're mm. so fat. And then the mom finds out the mom gets hysterical and so upset. And then she, she wants to put her girl on a diet. And the girl thinks that dieting is going to help her. Right. With not being bullied about being fat. Right. So what do you say about that? If we do so much as we can to raise our kids with a healthy body image and healthy self-esteem, and then someone will just ruin it for us. <laughs> right. And so that's why I say like, the answer is not to like shield them from it and just be like, well, we don't talk about it. So we're good. It's to understand that even if you're in the most body positive home. And even if you're in the most anti-diet home, the world out there is not anti-diet. The world out there is not body positive and body respect and health at every size aligned. It's just not. So it's teaching your kids. This, these are the values that we hold just like in anything with religion too. You know, like we believe in Shabbos, we believe in family, we believe in, you know, prayer, we believe in whatever, you know, charity, we believe in connectedness to the community. Not everyone does though you know? And so you might hear things out there in the world, even not even out there in the world. You might hear things from Bubby and Zadie, grandma and grandpa, Oma and Opa. You might hear uncle whoever talking about his weight loss or his surgery. You might hear those things, but understand that like, that is a reality that's out there in the world that, that people, even the people we love and respect and that we're close to, they also get impacted by these messages. They're also, they're human, just like me and you. And they also want love and acceptance and they also want to feel good in their bodies. So they'll hear those things and they believe them, you know? And it is what it is. We don't judge them. We understand it because everybody has those, you know, those weaknesses, those days, those whatever it is. For um, sure. Your kids know that, yeah, that's, that's out there in the world and we can't protect them from hearing it, but we can give them the tools so that when they do hear it, they question it at least question it. Mm, is that true? You know, and I always give the example of how my, my youngest, when she was in preschool, she came home one day and she told me um, that her, her like exact words were Mora, whoever said diet culture today. So I'm like, what? Like, what does that mean? She said <laughs> diet culture. I'm like the word, like, what does that mean? So she said, she, we were taking out our snacks and she said, everybody has to take out a healthy snack, only fruits and vegetables. And she's like, and she said, she didn't say it out loud. She's very shy and she's, you know, she, she's not there yet, but she said in my head, I was thinking all of the snacks are healthy, not just fruits and vegetables. She's like, that was diet culture, right? <laughs> so like, 
I said, you know what? I did my job. I helped her just to think, even if she didn't say out loud or correct her teacher, she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to go and educate the world. That's not my goal. I want her to know for herself, fruits and vegetables are healthy, but you know what? So are the pretzels, so are the chips, so are the veggie straws, so is the pudding cup. It's so much more, health is so much more than the nutrients than the calories than the ingredients. It's about how it makes me feel, how it feels my body. Are there memories attached to it? Does it taste good? Does it make me happy? Does it give me energy? All food gives us energy, cakes, cookies, fruits, vegetables. Yes, all give us energy, some more, some less, some different. So if we can teach our kids, even just in their heads to just be like, mm, that's diet culture then uh -huh. we're, you know, we're setting them up to just be in a good way. And again, I don't think for a minute that my kids are immune from it. I know it's very possible for them to struggle, but I know at least I'm doing my job and just putting it out there. Hey, you don't, we don't have to think that. I know that's what the world tells us, but it's actually not the truth. You know, that's not what healthy is. I really want us to focus on what health is, you know? I could already feel like some people who are listening to this right now with what you just said, because what you just said was a bit controversial. I have to tell you that to say that cakes and cookies and potato chips, they're also healthy. I can literally feel someone listening to this right now and being like, what are you saying, Rachel? How is that possible? That's considered quote unquote junk food. Chips in a bag are not going to help you like nourish you and nurture you um, the same way that like an apple and cucumber would. Right. And so then my response would be, there is no objectively healthy food because if you're allergic to apples, are apples healthy? If you're gluten intolerant, are foods with gluten healthy for you? Even objectively healthy foods that have gluten proteins in them, can you eat those foods? If you have a nut allergy, are nuts, which are healthy are they good for you if you have a kiwi allergy is kiwi good for you like there is no objectively healthy food and then also think about it again if you're at a birthday party or a celebration with family and they bring out the birthday cake and everyone's singing and it's this beautiful memory and let's say it's your kid's birthday or your grandmother's 90th and they bring out this cake and you're like i'm not am i gonna eat it i'm not right i'm gonna have the carrot sticks is that healthy you are creating a memory, right? Or let's say your grandmother bakes you these cookies. It's the family tradition. It's the family recipe. It's whatever it is. And I'm not, I'm not eating sugar. Is that healthy? Food is about so much more than its ingredients. It is memories. It is culture. It is connection. It is celebrations. It is, by the way, even loss and sadness, right? What do we do? Yeah. We bring people food. We feed them, right? Yeah. It's comfort. Yeah. There's a thing, comfort foods. It's an actual thing. Food is comforting. What do we do when a baby is crying? What do we do the minute they're born? We put them on our chest and we feed them, right? We give them a bottle or we nurse them. There is comfort in food. So to say potato chips are not healthy, guess what? Anything, by the way, in excess is not healthy. So eating tons of fruits and vegetables, you can have diarrhea. You can have a, you can suffer from malnutrition then because you're not getting enough of a variety in your diet. Potato chips are potatoes, oil, and salt. All of those ingredients together have benefits and your body really does not know the difference between your sweet potato fry and your regular potato, you know? And again, it's about 
the overall trend of your diet. Not like, did you eat potato chips today, right? It's how does it look across the board? Are you getting enough variety? Are you balancing enough of your diet with good things? And I don't want to say not good things, good things and more delicious things, more savory things, less nutrient dense things. But again, even the idea of nutrient dense, like if you think about a lot of fruits and vegetables, they don't have that many nutrients, right? It's, there's a lot of vitamins and minerals, but again, we focus so much on like, well, it has to have tons of nutrients to be healthy. Like, no, water does not have very many nutrients, but it's actually really good for your body, right? So when we're reducing food to calories or what's inside of them, again, we're not doing ourselves any justice. So I would say, please challenge what you think healthy food is. Please challenge how you're determining what the health of food is. Because if you're eating kale and you're miserable and sad, I'm sorry, that's not healthy. But if you're eating cookies with your kids or with your grandmother and you're enjoying your vacation, your holiday or whatever it is, that to me is healthier than that sad salad that you don't even want, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when we leave more room for less judgment with our food, we actually open ourselves up to eating foods that feel better in our bodies and that do, you know, more for our health. But again, at the end of the day, I, I know that there's a huge, um, narrative of like food is, is what determines your health. Um, and at the end of the day, unfortunately, we don't have that much control over our health. Yes. How we eat and how we move our bodies can impact our health in a positive or negative way. But at the end of the day, I know for sure in my family, I had an uncle who was Mr. Health, Mr. No red meat, Mr. Right. Mr. Health with quotes around it because he wouldn't eat this and he exercised every day and he jogged and sunscreen and and water and this and that and you know he died at 70 of a massive stroke so it does listen maybe he lived even longer than he would have because he was exercising and drinking water and you know but at the same time like we really don't have that much control over our health and they at the end of the day please focus on your connections with people we know that that has a greater impact on your health than anything that you'll eat if you feel lonely in this world if you feel sad and depressed we know that people have more health issues when they are feeling mentally unhappy right that depression and anxiety can cause all kinds of health issues heart issues cholesterol blood pressure right stress is so bad for our bodies you know, so yeah, we forget like, about that. Yeah. Instead of exactly. put the dressing on the side or put the dressing on the side, but also make sure that you're in loving relationships, make sure that you have boundaries, make sure that you're not being abused or taken advantage of, make sure that you're getting the help you need, make sure that, you know, try to get connected to people, get that therapy. If you can, these are the things that really impact our health. And I think that we would be far better off if we would expand our definition of health to, again, it doesn't mean we don't focus on, on food and, and movement. Those are two important factors, but we focus on lots of other things as well. And also there's an acceptance factor of, yeah, there's going to be some things that I can't change. If there's high blood pressure or high cholesterol in my family, no matter what I do, I'm going to have it thin, fat, whatever it is. And by the way, I have a lot of thin friends who have cholesterol problems. I'm sure, you know, yeah. They have to take medications for it because it's genetic and there's no diet or exercise that they can do to change it. So it really doesn't have anything to do with that. Um, And it wasn't because they were eating a certain way. It's because that's in their genes to have high cholesterol, you know? So again, instead of focusing on that, on shrinking my body or cutting foods out, what can I bring into my life to enhance it? 
You know, what people can I have? What, what things can I do to make myself feel better? What boundaries can I put into place on social media with family, with friends that yeah. makes me feel better about myself? Wow. Yeah. I, I'm mind blown. I, I can hear you. I yeah. can listen to you and read what you say all day long. I really could. Uh, you really challenge my way of thinking and you're teaching me to critically think. And I have no doubt that whoever's listening to this right now, you're challenging the way they're thinking about health, that health is not just the food you consume or the food you don't consume. It's an overall picture. Yes. And thank you for opening my eyes and whoever is listening to this, their eyes to this. What is health? It's incredible. Uh, I do have one last question for you. Okay. And because I'm starting out to be a matchmaker right now, and I did read your article in the Five Towns Jewish Times okay. about uh, matchmaking and like the shit, the quote unquote shidduch crisis. But in your words, you said it's a humanity crisis. Yeah. So my question to you, I mean, it's a very loaded question, but if we can try to answer it shortly is, um, hmm. A lot of the reasons why people might not go out with someone is because of the way they look or because they're not attracted. Um, people depend a lot on the picture or just based on seeing them one or two times, they're like, eh, no, not for me. And unfortunately, many women, and yes, there are a few men as well, get advised that honey, you need to lose weight. Yeah. You need to get in shape. You need to fix this. You need to fix that. You need to wear this, wear that, whatever. Is there anything wrong with image consulting or trying to tell someone how they can improve their appearance in order to attract a potential partner? So I think it's important to note that attraction, and this goes back to kind of what we were saying before, is completely subjective. You cannot know what is attractive to somebody. And I think we place a lot of emphasis on physical when we talk about attraction, but attraction has a lot of pieces to it. And physical is like one tiny piece, you know? So, part of like what makes someone attracted to someone else could be like, like physical proximity, right? So if you're someone who's like easily like that you're around and like, I get to see you often, there's more of a chance that I'll be attracted to you versus someone who like, I don't really get to see you're far away. You know, we don't really right similarity. Do we share values? Are we, do we like the same things? Are you funny? And like, I'm funny, or I like to laugh, right? Similarities are important even by the way, smell, there's a huge factor to smell with attractiveness. And we know this like going like way back, like, you know, primally, where like, we know that at certain times of a cycle that um, males feel more attracted to females because there's like this sense of their pheromones or whatever it is. Um, so I know there's a lot of emphasis on physical attraction, but there's so much more that goes into attraction. There's also intellectual personality, like there's so many different pieces. So I do think that there is room for, or there should be an acknowledgement that like 
physical attraction is very important. But again, like you might look at my husband and be like, what? Like he's not my type, you know? And I might look at yours and be like, he's not my type. But what I find attractive is not what you find attractive. And what you find attractive is not what I find attractive. And so at the end of the day, I need to be attracted to my husband, not you, right? You need to be attracted to your husband, not you. And there are so many different pieces that go into how I decided that I was attracted, that I am attracted to my husband. So I think that's important that I think we get caught up in, and specifically, I do find this with matchmakers, that they think there's this very specific look that is required, that boys want, that men want. And I really want to call bleep on that. There is no specific look. And I take issue with matchmakers that say that. Lose X amount, get a nose job, fix your hair, dress this way, wear that, have this job. Don't talk too much. Don't have, don't tell him what you do. You went to that school. Don't tell. Do that. You are setting people up for failed marriages because you're saying, don't be yourself. Don't be yourself. And that is not creating a successful relationship. That's just creating a match. And if our goal is to have successful, healthy families and relationships, then we need to tell people, show up as you are. Does show up as you are mean look like a garbage bag? Don't brush your hair. Don't brush your teeth. Don't put on something nice. Of course, because if you care about something, you're going to put yourself together properly. But again, what is putting yourself together properly? Does that mean altering your appearance, having an entire full face of makeup or like doing your hair in some way that you never, you're duping the person that you're going to be married to. And then what you're left with is resentment. You don't look like you did when we were dating Mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. When we got married, you were 30 pounds lighter. Now you had kids or now you're stressed with your job. And now you're, I don't even recognize this body yet. I'm not attracted to you anymore. Yes. And I hear it. I see it. So then that pressure to lose weight again. To yeah. get to their husband's preference because yeah. their husband doesn't like them that they're 20 pounds overweight after they give birth to twins or their baby. Or yeah. Doesn't like them or they think that, you know, yeah, they're not attractive to their partners anymore. And to that I say there is a deeper issue there that that yeah, they might not be attracted physically anymore, but that's because there's some kind of belief underneath that weight gain of like, you're not trying hard enough or you don't care about how you look for me. And when we were dating, you always put yourself together and you exercise and you dieted because you wanted to look good for me. And now you don't, we are setting people up for failure and for hardship. And so again, there's a difference between, yeah, like put yourself together. You don't want the guy showing up like a schlub. You don't want her looking like a trash bag. Of course, you know, make an effort, just like for a job interview, you're going to make sure that you look presentable and professional, not because you're faking, but because you understand, like, I'm going somewhere where I want them to take me seriously. And I want them to see that I'm, that I care. And that I, you know, just like when you go into shul, you're careful about what you put on, not because you're faking, but out of respect and understanding, I'm going into a place where there's like a certain standard and, you know, expectation of how I should behave on a date too. If I want to put put my best foot forward, I'm going to care about my appearance, but not based on what someone tells me I should care about, but based on how I feel best showing up. So I think instead of dictating to people how they should look, we should be asking them, how do you feel like you can put your best foot forward on a date? What are some things that you think you could bring to the table? You know, what are things that you feel that you can offer in a relationship? And what are some things that you would like the partner to offer? You know, um, So I think that's big. I think it's, we really need to take the focus off of like what we think. And again, I find that 
often matchmakers are thinking about what they think is attractive, you know, and that's why they're like, oh, you know, got, girls don't like this kind of look or this kind of dress or this kind of guy. Oh, guys don't like this kind of girl or this kind of profession or this kind of personality. Don't be so loud. Don't be so opinionated. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're, you're, you're literally just trying to, like I said, make a match, not a marriage. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's important. We should be encouraging people to show up as their authentic selves and allowing attraction to happen naturally. You know, love that. I love it. Thank you. It's good advice for me too. Thank yeah. you. And I hope for the people in the back, they're listening to this. So right. thank you so much. Thank you for your time, your wisdom, your amazing advice your knowledge and your expertise. I have no doubt that whoever's listening to this got challenged, opened their minds and are thinking differently about what health means. So thank you so much, Rachel. Can you just tell um, the listener where they can find you if they want to reach you? Yes. So you can find me um, on Instagram at Rachel Tuckman LMHC. You can find me on my website at racheltuckman.com. Um, and those are really the two places where I'm at right now. And if anything I've said today has made you kind of like roll your eyes or be like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. I really encourage you go to my website, go on my page. I give a lot of resources for more reading and learning, educating, challenging yourself. I think it's important for us to constantly be kind of reevaluating and questioning, like, can I think about this differently? Is it possible? Um, because I think that's how we grow as humans, you know? Thanks so. for opening the floor for that. Yes. That's great. Okay. Thank you so much, Rachel. Thank you for listening to my podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and feel free to reach out with feedback and questions. If you want to learn more about what I do, you can check out my Instagram page at coach.kk and check out the link in my bio. Let's connect.